the Management Methods Initiative or section of our resources is a collection of bulletins that goes from opening your doors as a mechanical or plumbing contractor to a succession plan. And everything in between, whether you need HR or project management, fabrication or change order pricing, you name it. When I was a contractor, it was something I used all the time and I could take out a chapter, hand it to my accounting department, take out a chapter, hand it to my purchasing department. Any department, it would give us a great framework for how to do things. And the secret to that is it's members preparing bulletins, sharing their best practices. This is Associations Thrive, the podcast celebrating successful associations and their leaders. I'm your host, Joanna Pineda, CEO and Chief Troublemaker at Matrix Group International. Listen in as top association executives tell all, revealing the creative and innovative ways they're increasing membership, generating revenue, nurturing engagement, and reimagining their organizations. By the way, if you've launched a new initiative, created new member services, or updated your governance structure and are seeing great results, I want to hear your story and so do my listeners. I'd love to have you as a guest. Go to podcast.matrixgroup.net and apply to be on Associations Thrive. Now let's dive into this week's show. Today, I'm speaking with Tim Brink, CEO of the Mechanical Contractors Association of America, or MCAA. Hey, Tim, welcome to the show. Hi, Joanna. Thanks for having me on. Hey, Tim, we've known each other for a little bit now, but tell us about MCAA. Well, MCAA is alive and well. We're 131 years old this year. Congratulations. Thank you. We have a, in between 2,600 and 2,700 members and growing, and all of our members are union signatory mechanical contractors that deal in HVAC installation, plumbing, mechanical service, industrial piping, and the high purity market. Our headquarters are in Rockville, Maryland, and we have 91 local affiliate chapters all throughout the U.S. We partner with the UA, which is the United Association of Plumbers, Pipe Fitters, and Sprinkler Fitters, and have a great relationship with them. And we're in the market of educating our members, providing resources, and networking opportunities. You know, Tim, I like to say that trade associations, they're in the business of helping their members make money and stay out of trouble. Absolutely. That's our job every morning. We have to get up, open the doors, and make our members more successful. Tim, why do they call them mechanical contractors? Well, they perform the mechanical duties. Typically, the HVAC systems in the buildings are referred to as the mechanical systems. And all of the piping, the actual air conditioning and heating units that go in, into that, and the cooling towers, the big chillers are part of the mechanical system. And then you have the plumbing contractors that take care of taking all the water off the roofs into the roof drain systems and providing all the kitchens, bathrooms, and drinking fountains in the building. 
And so, Tim, does it tend to be that a mechanical contractor is either mechanical work or plumbing, or do they tend to do both things? A lot of them do both. Some do one, some do others. We have some members that are strictly just mechanical. We have some that are strictly just plumbing and some that are strictly just service. Oh. And some that are strictly industrial and do nothing but work at the power plants and the refineries and the chemical plants. So we have some that are just one discipline and we have some that do a little bit of everything. Wow. So, hey, Tim, before we get into the things that MCAA is doing to thrive and thriving you are, tell us about your journey to becoming CEO of MCAA. Well, I first got into the business in 1986. I graduated from the University of Santa Clara and went and joined my family company, C.H. Stone Plumbing in Los Angeles. And they were plumbing contractors, not mechanical. We did both. But when my grandfather started the company, he started it as C.H. Stone Plumbing. They strictly did plumbing. But by the time I joined, we were getting into the mechanical as well. Went into the union so I could learn the business, went through the whole union apprenticeship and and actually became a journeyman plumber. And in my fifth year in the business, I took over the company as CEO, ran it for 17 years and really got involved in our local MCA chapter, which was PPIC at that time, then was involved with the creation of CPMCA, which was the successor group. And at that time, I really got involved with the National Association. I got on the Project Manager Education Committee. I went to the very first class of our Advanced Leadership Institute, all at the urging of John Gentili, who was the CEO before me. Right. Graduated from that. And then I got on the national board as a contractor in 2003 and served there from 2003 to 2006. And in 2007, I left our family company and moved to Philadelphia to run our local chapter in Philadelphia, the MNSCA of Eastern Pennsylvania. Ah. So I was there. I got to Eastern PA from the relationships that I had made along the way. I was on the board with Mark Rogers, Ron Zinzer, and Eddie Quinn, who were all Philadelphia contractors. I got on the national board, and Mark Rogers and I got on the national board together at the same time. And they were all instrumental in me getting to Philadelphia. I served that area and worked as the local association exec there for almost 12 years. And then John invited me to come down and be the COO in November of 2018 at MCAA. With the idea that you would take over as CEO someday? Yes. And during that time, I served on just about every MCAA committee. So I had a really good understanding of what MCA was and what they offered the local chapters and the contractor members. And while we were in Philadelphia, we actually mirrored a lot of the same committees. Mm. I tell everybody I was practicing. Right. But it was actually, we built a great infrastructure along with the contractor members in Philadelphia. And the contractors and the volunteers are really the secret and it's not a secret to what makes MCAA great. All of our members are so willing to get together and be in the same room with their local competitors and national competitors, and they take off their individual hats and they put on their industry hats, and they share best practices and all the secrets and how they retain employees and how they execute their work and how they fabricate their work with each other, knowing 
that these people are their competitors and they realize in actuality, it's not their union competitors that are the true competitors. It's the non-signatory competitors because there is a difference in the wage package and in the productivity. Wow. Amazing. Before we get into that, I'm curious about your time as an apprentice. So you went through the apprentice program, became a journeyman. How important is it to your journey to becoming CEO? And actually, how important was it to the business? Because you hear about some kind of children of contractors who maybe went to business school and then took over the business, but you actually came in from the craft. Well, I I went through business school. So you did both. I did. I graduated from Santa Clara with a um, bachelor's in marketing and took a lot of accounting, a lot of marketing classes. And I went into the business and started from the ground up. I started digging ditches all the way up to running work and estimating work. And I really wanted to do that so I could understand all of the aspects. So when I walked on the job site as the CEO, we had a mutual respect. Because you had literally been in their shoes. Right. And that helped me all the way through my career. It helped me when I moved to Philadelphia and I was sitting down at the bargaining table representing the contractors and alongside the contractors when we were negotiating. They knew that I had walked in their shoes at some point. Right. I eventually got out of those shoes and, and put on a management hat, but I still had that background. Yeah. And Tim, for my listeners who don't understand union construction the way you do, and I have some insight into it too, it's often the local affiliate or the local association or local chapter of the National Association of Contractors that negotiates the wages and benefits with the local union. So in Philadelphia, it would be the Philly chapter basically representing however many hundreds of contractors negotiating with the local, whatever local it was, 2619 or whatever, negotiating the wages and the benefits. That's correct. Yeah. Each local area, each of our 91 chapters, along with the chapter exec, along with their contractor members, negotiate with the local unions, with the business manager and his agent for the terms and conditions that affect just that area. Right. And each labor management partnership is so different. And it all depends on how much effort they put into the relationship and how they get along and how they see each other. And the ones that really have a successful relationship, they're doing great things and their market share is great. And the ones where there's an adversarial relationship, you just, you see the progress being held back a little bit. Right. Yeah. And that's where we try to step in as a, a national association with our board of directors and the people who have great experience with that and try to lend help to those areas. So, Tim, how is MCAA doing? MCA is doing very well during the pandemic. And I took over March 12th, 2020, when we canceled our Hawaii oh my God. <laughs> convention. Actually, if I remember, your convention was about to start when the WHO declared a pandemic and you were already in place in Hawaii. We were in Hawaii. And I remember John was just... John, who was the CEO at the time. John was the CEO, John Gentile. It was a no-win situation. We were in contact with our labor partners and all our manufacturer suppliers who were coming. And we had our executive committee out there because we have pre-meetings with them. And we had been watching it. On the 11th, they declared a pandemic. Right. And then we started getting emails of people that are manufacturers who were making corporate decisions that they weren't going to allow travel. So we started losing 
our manufacturer supplier council members that on the morning of the 12th, we were informed that our, our labor partners were making the decision not to allow people to travel. And then we were getting emails from our contractor members and they were nervous right. about coming because you get all the way to Hawaii and nobody wanted to get stuck. Right. It's not like being on the continental United States where you could rent a car and go home or do whatever. Right. So we made the decision to cancel that morning. You know, then we were off to the COVID races. It was time to shift and get into providing our resources in a different way. Yeah. And Tim, it sounds like you did very well with virtual, but you're having a great year and you're coming off an unbelievable technology conference. So tell us about that because I think there's a lot of learning here. We are. Our conference was last week in Austin, Texas. Technology conference. The MEP, which is Mechanical, Electrical, and Plumbing Innovations Conference is what we call it. And for the last three years, we have partnered with SMACNA and NECA. So the sheet metal contractors and the electrical contractors. Right. To put on a joint conference for all three of our disciplines. The first year we did it virtually and it was a big success. Last year, we got together and had about 450 people at the conference. This year, we have the same three groups together. We had almost 650 people at the conference. Wow. Which was fantastic. And where we were before when we did it on our own, we always had a successful conference, but it was always two to 300 people. And so by combining our resources with the other two associations, we've really broadened our reach to more of the mechanical, electrical, and plumbing portion of the job site. So Tim, how did you make the decision to do a joint conference with these two organizations? And how hard was that to kind of plan an organization with two other organizations that are thriving and have their own membership and their own meetings departments and have their own ways of doing things? Well, the electrical contractors have new leadership with David Long. And when he came in, I believe it was beginning of 2019, we went and we met. And the idea came up between our two organizations. Sean McGuire, who runs that department for MCAA, knows Tahir Ali for NECA. Well, Sean used to work for NECA. A long time ago. (laughs) Sean's been here for over 20 years now, but he has his roots at NECA. And Tahira just had recently gone to NECA to head up their technology department. So those two started to collaborate. We've always had a good relationship with SMACNA as well. The sheet metal contractors, right? Who now has new leadership with Aaron Hilger. And before that, it was Vince Sandusky. And really drove the collaboration was really perfected in COVID where we decided we would share resources that we were preparing for our membership safety resources, best practices on working during COVID, and really just working together all the time to help protect our three disciplines on the job site. Couldn't do much beyond that because we don't have relationships. We have strong relationships with Talk, which is the Association of Union Contractors. Well, they're the steel erectors. Steel erectors, general contractors, people that do the big industrial work. Right. We have a great relationship with them. So it it was just born out of that collaboration. And Sean McGuire and our organization here really had a lot to do with that and still does about pulling everybody together. But it's Mark Terzini 
with SMACNA and Tahira over at NECA, they're every bit as responsible as Sean is about creating that synergy and putting on a good product. So, Tim, it sounds like part of this magic and the collaboration is really because of the personal relationships. So maybe for my listeners, one lesson here is to really foster relationships with kind of sister organizations to see if collaboration is possible. Now, if you have normally 200 people at this conference, but you had 650 this year, so that was now a giant mix of mechanical, sheet metal, and electrical contractors. Is there magic in combining those three crafts? Absolutely. There's a lot of magic. And what I noticed, not only from our presenters, but from the attendees, is we used to be trade-focused in our presentation. This is going to help the mechanical space. This is going to help, you know, I'm sure SMACNA did, this is what's going to help the sheet metal space and the electrical space for NECA. But now we're combining and we're looking outside of our three disciplines on, okay, what's going on in the rest of the job site? Or what happens when the mechanical utilizes some new technology? What does it do to the scope and the schedule of the other trades on the job site? So it's really broadened the lens of the three groups to where we're thinking about each other now and we're thinking more universally on the whole job site. Man, and that's got to be improving relations at the job site to have contractors potentially that know each other outside of the job site because they have seen each other at conferences and they see kind of how the crafts work together. Absolutely. And it's gone beyond tech now, beyond innovations. We had our safety conference earlier this week in San Diego, and that's had tremendous growth in it as well. It was our 20th anniversary. Mm. And typically, we get around 200 people at that, 200 safe mechanical MCAA safety professionals. This year, we had almost 350. Wow. Yeah. So tremendous just in one year's growth. And we changed up the format. We put a little more production into it, beefed up the speakers a little bit, beefed up the content. So we not only educated the safety professionals on what's new in safety, the new regulations and OSHA requirements and that such, but we're working on the people in the room at the same time, concentrating on mental health, had a couple of great speakers on mental health, had a good speaker in Connie Podesta about identifying the personality of the people that you're dealing with and identifying your own personality, identifying theirs and how to interrelate with those people. And to really have a successful relationship on the job site, keep the job site safer. Hey, Tim, you say that membership is up. Yes. That's amazing. So what are you doing differently to increase membership? Well, I think, one, we have over 700 resources that are free as a benefit of membership. Totally free. Totally free. If you're a member, you have access to these 700 resources. Our problem always has been we're really good at creating resources but we are horrible marketers of our resources. And over the course of the last year, and you've helped us with this, we designed the new search bar. Right. And we're trying to be the guides for our members. If they want to take the path of being a good, going from a good contractor to a great contractor, we have to guide them through our resources so we can show them what we have so they can utilize the proper resources so they can enhance their business. And I think we're getting better at that. I think we're getting also better at listening. Not that we weren't good at listening, but everything's changed in our business since COVID hit. 
the way we communicate with our members, the way their members are staffed. They're not all in an office anymore. Some are remote and all over the place, but the work still gets done at the job site. So we've been helping our members navigate that, educate their employees, both field and in the office, a little differently, and providing new resources for them. Yeah, so Tim, you've got something that has always fascinated me, and you call it management methods. And it's basically a set of guides to help a mechanical contractor run a high-performing organization. So tell us about that. Well, the management methods initiative or section of our resources is a collection of bulletins that goes from opening your doors as a mechanical or plumbing contractor to a succession plan. And everything in between, whether you need HR or project management, fabrication or change order pricing, you name it, it's in there. We're coming up with a new chapter in our change order guide about BIM and the cost overruns and how to identify them in BIM, building information modeling, and not only how to identify that, but how to protect yourself against scope slip and prepare for cost recovery, but we're going to have it in the change order guide and it's going to be a new management methods bulletin at the same time. So it's easily digestible for our members. When I was a contractor, it was something I used all the time and I could take out a chapter, hand it to my accounting department, take out a chapter, hand it to my purchasing department. Any department, it would give us a great framework for how to do things. And the secret to that is it's members preparing bulletins, sharing their best practices. So it's successful contractors sharing their best practices? Absolutely. How do you get them to do that when it's competitive? Oh, but that's always been the secret sauce in MCAA. Ah. Contractors want to be involved. They want to share. And they want to make our union mechanical industry stronger. Because they know the more that they share... The more that they help their competitors, the stronger their industries will be and they will all survive. At the beginning of the tech conference last week in Austin, DSI is one of our large contractors in that area and they have a fabulous fabrication facility. And they opened the doors for tours before the conference. Wow. All you had to be was an MCA member. And they brought people from across the country and local competitors through their shop. And sharing the secret sauce. Absolutely. And they're going to get more out of it than they gave. Ah. Ultimately, I'm sure of that. It's in giving that we receive. And those people at DSI, and I've got to take my hat off to them last week, they really did a great job. And so what you're doing is by a company like DSI really sharing their secret sauce, you're modeling for the entire industry that this is what it means to be an MCAA member. It's to be generous and to share and to listen and to receive and to give. So it just makes the association better. And then ultimately, probably organizations on the outside are saying, well, shoot, I want to be part of that. Right. Well, the same thing happens at our fabrication conference. This last year, McKinstry did it for us. And they have a newer fabrication facility up in the uh, Seattle area. And they opened the door to all their competitors. And this year, we'll be back in Seattle at University Mechanical, and they're doing the same thing. Wow. It's just amazing. You know, that's really quite amazing because I do have other clients, trade associations, where the members, because they're competitive, they don't really talk to each other. 
and they're very protective of their information. So really hats off to you. Tim, you're doing something else, and that is you're marketing your resources differently. Because if you have 750 resources, it's hard for a member to know about everything that you do. So what are you doing so that I, as a member, kind of understand what it is that you have available to me? Well, we're trying to get better in our, we call them national updates, Mm. highlighting best practices that our contractors and manufacturers share new trends in the industry. Then at the last article every week is the resource of the week. And we're pulling very relevant, but resources that may have not been circulated lately, highlighting them. And what we're finding out in our click-through rates on our website is that those resources now are getting used at a much higher rate than they ever did before. And then we changed the search function which you helped us out with, Joanne, you and your firm. Right. And it's a lot easier to find resources now because you can either go in and search by the topic, by project management, service, safety, or you can go in and say, I'm a project manager. I need this. Or you can say, I'm an owner. I need that. I'm a field tech. I'm a field leader. And it'll take you to the resources. It helps narrow it down a little bit more. A little bit more like shopping on Amazon. Nice, right? Yeah. And we're looking to really keep improving that. We're going through the interior association management software upgrades now so we can improve the back end of our member tracking. Once we're done with that, we're really going to attack the website. Right. And make it more user-friendly and be a website where they can come and find solutions a lot easier. Man, I got a lot of ideas for that, Tim. I'm ready. Yeah, I know you do. We've been talking (laughs) quite a bit and you're going to help us out. (laughs) Hey, Tim, before we go, I want to talk about your pre-IPM series. Yes. Because I think this is just spectacular. So tell us about this. Well, it was born out of the necessities of COVID and out of the necessity of having a two and a half year wait list for our Institute for Project Management. A lot of our contractors our larger contractors came to us and said, hey, I need something for my new project, my junior project managers, so they can hit the ground running and get them through the time waiting period until they can get into the IPM. Because IPM is in-person, limited, two-week program, you have to be out of the office, and there's capacity constraints. Right. And we run four classes a year, so we get a lot done there, but it's still not enough because each class is limited to 36 people. So during COVID, I turned to John Kuntz and Amy Harding. Amy Harding works for us, and she's in charge of the IPM, the Advanced IPM, and our Advanced Leadership Institute, and said, okay, we need something. We need a pre-IPM. And they went to work putting it together, and they put together a 12-week course, an hour and a half a week. And we have up to 75 people in each class. Ah, And during the second half of 2020, all of 21 and all of 22, we put almost 2,500 people through it. Wow. It's been amazing. Wow. Yeah. And you say that you are able to really touch members you've never touched before. During the first year and a half, we had about 360 contractors use the program. 240 of those contractors were members that had never taken advantage of an educational offering before. And we were receiving phone calls and getting feedbacks on the surveys that 
now you have something for the small to middle-sized contractor who can't afford to have their project manager out of the office for two weeks, uh, for a week at a time, but for two weeks. And it's just opened up our resources to these members. And what we're finding is those members are now utilizing the other resources. Right. As they've had some exposure and it's been successful exposure. Wow, Tim. Amazing. It's obvious why MCAA is thriving. I want to thank you so much for sharing what you're doing to thrive as an organization and you're modeling what your members are doing as well, which is sharing with other association execs what's helping you to be successful. So thank you. And the key to that is great members, great volunteers, Yeah. but the best resources and the best assets that we have are the 34 staff members that make up MCAA staff. They're wonderful human beings and they're dedicated to the members and they come in every day and they have the same goal that I do. At the end of every day, we've made our contractors' businesses just a little bit better. They are the true goal in this organization. Amazing. Well, Tim, it starts at the top. Thank you so much for being on and I hope you'll come back. I will. Thanks, Joanna. Thanks for listening to Associations Thrive. We're so glad to have you here. You know, my personal mission and the mission of my company, Matrix Group International, is to help associations and nonprofits increase membership, generate revenue, and thrive in the digital space. I want to hear stories of how your organization is thriving in today's challenging landscape. Please apply to be on my show by going to podcast.matrixgroup.net. By the way, do you need help with a digital initiative? Maybe it's a website redesign, a new membership database, or a hybrid meeting that you're planning. I'd love to connect with you. Please visit the Matrix Group website at matrixgroup.net. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of Associations Thrive. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, leave a five-star rating, post a comment, and share it with your colleagues and friends. Bye.